Welcome to Big 20, a roundtable discussion where GMs from all walks of life discuss gaming and field questions from viewers. Hosts this week are... Uh, Pete Patricia. I uh, make games with Imagining Games, sell I, uh, books and other tabletop items for the Indie Game Developer Network, and write GM advice for Gnomes too. Uh, I'm Callie. I'm the DM of Riff and Rabble. We stream on Twitch. Um, we're running Storm King's Thunder. Uh, that, that's about it for me. <laughs> oh. <Still laughs> Sorry about that. I'm Cheyenne. I'm the DM for Chicks with Crits Season 1 and hopefully onwards. <laughs> and that's pretty much what I do. <laughs> so this week we are talking about GM prep. When is it enough? Let's start with Pete. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of GMs come to uh, the topic of prep from totally different angles. Um, some obviously over prep for a long period of time, while some under prep. Um, and that can really vary over time as you try to find out what your equilibrium is. Um, so I guess the first question would be like, so Cheyenne or Callie, which one of you wants to take the, throw yourself out there and say you either under prep or over prep? Over prepped, I think. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I, when I started writing it, I sat and I've based mine off of my world off of different fairy tales. So I just started picking them and writing out for each individual fairy tale. I have, I think like seven prepared now for them to all go through and yeah, and make their way through. And Callie, how uh, do you- Yeah, I, I, I would probably also fall on, on the overprep. Um, I have never done a homebrew uh, campaign, however, um, this Storm King Thunder campaign that I'm running is the only one I've done, so it's pre-written. But um, yeah, I, uh, I I imagine now two years into it, it's a lot different than when I started. <laughs> but yeah. um, before I started uh, the campaign, I actually did a lot of research into how to prep because I had never DM'd before. And I was like, I don't know how to do this. This seems really daunting. Um, and I found actually a few guides that, uh, specifically went through how they prepped Storm King's Thunder and how they prep pre-written campaigns in general. And there was a lot of valuable information that I, I took bits and pieces from, uh, but yeah, the first, the first few sessions were definitely way more content than... <laughs> than would have ever gotten through. Um, but again, a lot of um, the suggestions I found online were for uh, the typical sort of four hour session and we were only doing two hour sessions. So um, I had to kind of get a feel for that and for my players because my players are very role play um, sure, uh, centric. So, um, there's a lot of times where I'm just sitting there going, oh yeah, yeah, okay, all right, back and forth, yep, yep. Okay, um, I mean, that's time, and we've done almost none of the things that I had prepared. 10%, we got to the yeah. <laughs> And I had to create like 15 NPCs that I wasn't expecting to make, so cool. <laughs> I think that was the most valuable thing I learned, was have an incredibly long list of pre-generated NPCs. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of one of the things yeah. I was going to uh, touch on with you is I was like, well, what did you find out? What did you learn while your research? What um, worked and didn't? But, you know, maybe oh. before that we should, before we unpack all the good stuff, <laughs> right, like, let's talk a little bit about like where we came from because I think like Cheyenne, you probably have the same idea, right? Like when you start, I think most of us over prep because we're all kind of really afraid of like not having enough content and having people yeah. stare at us with blank stares. Yes. Like, Cheyenne, how much did you over prep when you started? Oh, I, 
I've kind of had like the basic storyline for like a few years. Like, and I was just like, okay, now like I have like a group to like, I, I didn't know what I wanted the story to be and D and D came and I was like, oh, I can, I can tell the story like with my friends through this. So I've kind of known for like a long time, but then getting into the details, I, I asked him about it like a couple months in advance before we started playing. I'm like, cool. So you guys want to do this with me? And I was like, all right, then. So then I just like went for like a few months of like prep, just getting like trying to go from <laughs> beginning to end. Although I've, I've definitely slowed down uh, a bit with that, trying to focus more on where they are now instead of going hardcore into the future. <laughs> did you have anything in mind of like how far in the future you were? Like, did you ever sit down and go, shit, I think I'm like 24 sessions in and we're on session three. Like. Uh, yeah, kind of. I've, I, I know where we're, I know what the end will be, but we're like right in the beginning, right? <laughs> and like still technically in, in season one, they haven't left really like the, the first like town uh, yet. They've d gone through like several things. They need to make a name for themselves, but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I have it pretty far in advance where I'd like them to go, but now I'm trying my best to break it down into smaller chunks and try not to over-prepare those now. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially when you have Callie's issues sometimes, and usually that's good, is that you, you even prepped two hours worth, and then like it, you only use 10% of what you prepped because the players just did their thing, and that's cool. I think at least that's my opinion. But, um, Callie, how about you? Like, Was it like notebooks full? Or was it like, like, did you come to a session and go, here's my 10 pages of notes? Or was it like two pages or? Uh, <laughs> I have a binder. <laughs> um, I don't know how many pages it was. Yeah. Uh, I don't know specifically. Um, I, I was very nervous <laughs> because not only was it my first time DMing, we streamed it. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, I need to be prepared. <laughs> and one of the number one things you find when people discuss DM prep is the players will do things you don't expect. And I was like, well, that's a terrifying thought. Um, so I tried to prepare for as many eventualities as I could consider. Right, yeah. Um, Although it was helpful, this adventure is, in the beginning, very linear. Um, so for the first, I would say, levels one to five, and I imagine this is the case for many one to five adventures, um, it's very linear because, I mean, they're very squishy. It's introducing a lot of exposition. Um, it It's basically story set up. Um, so in terms of the players doing something I didn't expect, it wasn't like they're going to a continent that I oh, have to create on the fly. Um, it was just like, oh, okay, they're going to not go into this building and they're going to negotiate instead of fight. Okay, uh, uh, suddenly <laughs> personality, um, okay. <laughs> um, so in terms of volume of notes, it wasn't, it wasn't crazy, but um yeah the suggestion that i found the guide that i found was to read the whole adventure and then break it down and then like throw out the parts that you don't want whatever 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 add add bits add bits and i was like that's a lot <laughs> that's a lot for me it's a little overwhelming i did sort of get the gist of everything in terms of where the story's trying to lead the players like the eventuality uh but then i just broke it down by chapter, I guess, um, and then just focused on one at a time. <laughs> um, it's it's become easier since then. And I think the linear nature of the first couple chapters were really helpful for, for uh, easing me into it, um, for, you know, me feeling comfortable, for the group getting comfortable, for uh, in terms of group dynamic, in terms of game dynamic, um, how to play the game, um, how does this work? So I think that that was really beneficial. Um, Cheyenne, did you start with like pre-generated adventures too? You, did you do modules at first? Uh, no, actually, uh, I, I didn't. 
Okay, I did one pre-adventure. <laughs> it was uh, it was based off of actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone wrote a quick like one-shot adventure <laughs> for the song "Actual Cannibal Shia LaBeouf." That's the the one time that I I did a, a pre-adventure. But pretty much aside from that, like I've come up with my own things, or the games that I've played with my friends have come up with most of the time on their own. That sounds incredible, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very fun night. <laughs> well, I was thinking we could talk about some of the shortfalls of not having enough prep, but there's at least one question over there in the, the chat that I see. So maybe we, we jump ahead and address a question. Um, do you run into issues with planning too far? What if they take a hard ride on your plans and the plot, the players <laughs> Sorry, I was like, this what is happening? <laughs> One is totally off key from what you planned. Um, yeah, especially if you plan X games. So, I mean, long story short, uh, that person, uh, Dusty's asking about, you know, like shit, if you plan, you know, a whole lot of content and somebody takes a hard right, like the players are like, we're going to negotiate. Um, and that just removes six sessions of plot, uh, you know, the plot you created. Um, like, what do you do? How does that affect you as a GM? Um, this sounds Cheyenne first, but. Uh, I had a, a moment where the, the group went to go off and uh, help a hunter track down a, a monster that had uh, killed his father, right? And I ended up splitting the group. Two went with uh, him to investigate an area that had caught fire a few months ago while the rest were left at the camp. And it was going to be, well, revealed that the hunter himself uh, was planning to murder them all and pin this uh, horrible forest fire on them. But like he, he's like, I thought I was doing really good with him slowly starting to slip into insanity, dropping some clues. But my one character immediately, you know, he was supposed to lead them like back to the camp and kill them there on the walk back to the camp. Uh, my one player... Uh, Barakas is just like, nope, this dude's bad guy. We're going to kill him now. His back is turned and like immediately like went to just, they just killed the big bad right then and there. <laughs> I'm like, he didn't even like get back to camp for like a fight to happen. I'm like, well, all right then. So I'll just, I'll just let that happen. <laughs> and just to find a, a different uh, thing for them to deal with. So I was able to uh, move a creature uh, that was supposed to uh, join their fight instead over to the camp and go after a different player entirely just you, you got to be able to move like things around if they suddenly like veer off course and hopefully you can eventually get them back together and like into a working order <laughs> um kelly like if you've had that situation i, I mean obviously for most of us when we do have that situation it kind of it's a real bummer to our prep because we're like hey i put all this work into this stuff that um, maybe it's thrown out the window or at best repackaged for some other sort of game later. Um, have you found that discouraging before or have you been able to repackage it better? Um, uh, yeah, I'm not coming, I'm drawing a blank on any specific examples, sure, yeah. but definitely. Um, I try to forget those moments too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was anything as major as the big bad guy, but, um, yeah, there were, there have been moments where it's like, I've got all this. And then they're like, yeah, we're just not going to do that. It's like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Um, so what I've kind of fallen into is having a general idea of story hooks, um, characters, whatever, for down the line, it's just sort of like, a general uh, goal, I guess, or or end finish line, um, and then I just prep the next session. Uh, I'm not prepping more than one session ahead in terms of actual hard notes, content, maps, um, unless it's for like a final confrontation that like needs to happen whether it's a fight or just a discussion or whatever, um, because my players just end up doing things that are like, oh yeah, I guess you could totally do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I've, I've fallen into that. I just have a general 
idea for like their backstory stuff because obviously pre-written campaign the core story is already written i don't have to do that yeah. but um because they my players like role play i have um incorporated their stories into into the game so yes i have had many ideas suddenly veered or broken or just totally scrapped and it's like yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to put that much work and just not be able to use it. Or <laughs> maybe yeah. I can do it down the line. I don't know. But so. you know, kind of a dumb question is uh, like for me, I I can't remember the last time I've been really upset about prepping too much. Um, I used to prep a lot, and a lot of times I would look at my notes after and be like, I have this really well organized outline that's like I typed it out with like spots so that I'd remember and be easy to refer back to and stuff. Like, you know, maybe NPC personalities and like the key points, the stuff they knew. But it never really bothered me if I, you know, if at the end of the session, I looked at my notes and said 10 pages that didn't get used, it really didn't bother me because I was always just more afraid of like not having enough. And that really was my issue for a long period of time is I always over prepped. Um, yeah, it was just funny, right? Because the, the truth is I don't have the problem anymore because now I, I either have little to no prep or it's uh, like I use bullet point outlines, you know, like you said, just kind of like I know where I want them to go, some options, what's the problem, where are some key locations, cool people, you know, and then rolling with my players. Yeah, I don't think I've been upset over losing anything. Um, it usually ends up better um, the way my players decide to do it because it's like oh wow i never would have thought of that but that's really cool let's roll with it and yeah so i've never been disappointed more surprised <laughs> i think is just it's always surprise <laughs> i have a, a friend of mine is uh ben riggs and he he wrote this thing called uh like the encounter um theory which is like approach to like game design like like module adventure design kind of thing and he said something very interesting, which I think is pretty true. But, um, you know, he was just talking about how, like, we shouldn't answer, tell them how to solve a problem. And by that, I mean, the game master should not have one way for the players to solve a problem. Like you said, it should be, um, should have many options where the players can use their strengths or whatever they think makes sense um, within reason, right? Because at the same point, there's got to, you don't want it to be so that they can solve any problem with anything, um, unless that's the kind of game you're running. Like I made a game that you do that, but you know, there's. Uh, um, but I think it's it's good when it's open because problem solving is so interesting for the players. It's like one of the keys of fun that they get is they get to look at these people and get in their shoes and go, "How do I fix this thing? How do I solve these problems? How do I, you know, deal with this adversity?" Um, Cheyenne, what do you think? Like, have you ever been bothered by too much prep? Like, is it, it doesn't sound like you're a person who care about that, but. <laughs> no, not too much. I actually like when they take the reins or like throws like some, some of the stuff, just like caution to the wind. Like they're in a maze, a magical maze. They, you know, they got to like navigate their way through. What do you do? You grab the gnome and you throw them as hard as you can at the tower in the middle of the thing. I'm like, yeah, okay, there you go like that's a, a way to get over it and whatnot or you guys have to make a name for yourself in the the city well one character i'm gonna go and uh i have a magical cook pot i'll go feed the poor the other one i'm gonna run a seniors aerobics class in the middle of town just completely by accident yeah just l letting them run wild like sometimes I, I i don't mind if they go off with the plans because yeah no it leads to like some great moments <laughs> i feel like Definitely. so at least I was kind of talking about how I think the scariest thing is when you don't have enough prep. So mm -hmm. why don't we talk a little bit about that? Like if we've had those situations, because I know there's been times where maybe like Dustin said, you know, they, they take the hard right. And you're like, shit, I didn't have anything planned for if they actually left town, went to the next town over and went to the, you know, the Coliseum where there was fighting going on. Like I thought maybe that could happen like down the road. I was just mentioning those names and places for foreshadowing. And then they were like beeline there this session. And I didn't want to, you know, say, all right, pizza, you know, you, you didn't random encounter trying to stall by the time, you know, you just kind of like, eventually you, you, I don't know, it might, I don't try to stall. You know, I think stalling is a really bad thing for a GM to do. Uh, your players catch on and you just start to get used to putting things off, you know, forever. Session one, 
Sis gets kidnapped. Session 10, we still don't know where she is. Session 25, we still don't know where she is. <laughs> you know, eventually we forget what why it all started. Um, uh, so I guess, Cheyenne, have you ever had that moment where you found yourself like with no prep, like complete improvisation needed? Um, yes, I was playing a, a one shot with a friend. Uh, they were DMing, but they, they they ended up just like handing it over uh, to me. They're like, uh, I just can't. They're like, it was one of the first times I ever done. They're like, I just can't do it. Can you just like, like, can you just like take over this? So I'm just sitting there I'm like, well, we're already 20 minutes in. So I'm suddenly that DM like, I have nothing planned. I'll, all I know is we're pirates. So I'll just <laughs> completely improvise with this. It ended up with uh, someone suplexing a ghost out of, uh, <laughs> yeah, suplexing a, a ghost out of one of the other characters, just getting completely off the rails. And I just like, okay, how weird and crazy can I make this? <laughs> just try to go off the fly with that. <laughs> I'd love to see like that gif. Suplexing <laughs> a ghost. Oh yeah, just just the way they describe it too. It's like it was like this giant dragonborn and this tiny little elf who had been in like prison for like months. It's just like just like not collapsed long and everything, but you did it. You saved your friend. <laughs> Kelly, how about you? How do you deal with situations when you're like, shit? It's thirty minutes in. We got well, in your case, two hours to go, and. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I can get back to what I was thinking was this session was going to be about. Um, well, that's like my worst nightmare. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've had it that bad. Um, sure. I I did actually say to my group when we were starting, like, I'm not a professional DM. This is the first time I'm doing this. I'm not good at improv. Um, when I feel like I'm under pressure, my mind goes blank. <laughs> so if you could give me as much notice as possible uh, for what you want to do, like if you're if we're going into this session and you guys were thinking of like going into this dungeon, you need to go into this dungeon <laughs> because that's all I'll have prepped. <laughs> if you want to go somewhere else, you need to tell me beforehand. Um, my my group's been pretty good about that. Um, but yeah, definitely a nightmare feel for me um, with the anxiety and 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 that. But it's a lot better now um, <laughs> with two years under my belt. Um, I think there has been a couple moments where it's like, you're doing what? Uh, uh, <laughs> yes, I have that here. And just flip, 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 flip. And it's like, yes, that person is definitely available and their name is here somewhere. I will find it at break. Um, <laughs> and so uh, it's never been anything dramatic, like they went to a different town or somebody's like, hey, can you DM for me? <laughs> never been, never been that bad. I think I would probably crumble under the pressure. <laughs> Yeah, I think you, you gave a couple really good pieces of advice. Um, it, I, I don't know if you know how good they are, but it, it, they are really valid is that, you know, a, a game master is a player. And it's very important that we sometimes we forget, like, the pressure and the anxiety and the, you know, like, the need to, like, perform well and such, like, entertain this group of people can be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to be like, hey, I'm a player too. Like, even if this is a game where, like, you know, maybe something like even more technical games like GURPS or something where you really need to be prepped because of stat blocks and NPCs and adversaries. Like, it's okay sometimes to be like, hey guys, like, okay, cool, we're gonna do this um, and let them know that they'll, you know, you can let the veil down sometimes. Like, it's good not to do it all the time. Right, yeah. so that they they think you know they know that you do prep or like you yeah. care, <laughs> but like it's valid to be like, what do you think happens there? And especially if you don't do that very often, uh, like it's good to pop those questions in or be like, um, I wasn't really planning for us to go here, so how about this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Jenna Sasquatch uh, is asking or wants to know if uh, how do you prep your like specific NPCs for a session if you know that they're coming? Um, you know, do you do anything special to prep your NPCs? Yeah, that's kind of the next part of this conversation, right? Is I mean, where does it suck when you over prep and it doesn't get used? Is like monsters 
or bad guys, boss fights, uh, NPCs. Um, anything that takes you a lot of time to make one little thing that may or may not get used, those are the ones that really eat you up later. Um, do you two have any tricks to like how you prep NPCs that are like maybe going to be in the story? Or do you prep a couple extra like combat scenes? Because um, you two mostly uh, run D&D, right? So you kind of have to have the monsters handy. I mean, you get the book. I guess you could flip to the page. But do you have any, what's your go-to of how you um, grab monsters on the fly? I don't know that I have. Um... Sure. So you just kind of, you're like, hey, uh, there'd be orcs. I've used them before. I flip to the page. I throw a couple on this piece of paper with some hit point totals. Yeah. Well, I, I also... We play online, so we play, we use Roll Twenty, so everything's like oh, yeah. at my fingertips, which is really helpful. I mean, I have the books beside me as well because it doesn't have all of the monsters, but um, yeah, I usually have a general idea going into the next session of like where they're going and so what they might encounter. Um, sometimes those encounters don't happen, but they're so far, they've just been like random encounters that don't mean anything. Um, they actually are only like just starting to encounter like story um, baddies, um, both like custom baddie, well, not custom monsters, but like custom story uh, m monsters. And then um, also core story monsters um, <laughs> because like I said they do a lot of role play we're actually not really very far into the story because we've been in <laughs> one city for like six months um, <laughs> but uh, I, I actually have a list of like two dozen NPCs names races uh, um, appearance uh, simple stat block um, and then a small personality blurb. Uh, I don't prep voices because as soon as I am in the game, I have totally forgotten what I was planning to do for them. And it all just ends up sounding the same anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't prep voices. It's not important. Um, I think my players can figure out that they're different <laughs> because I like hold myself a little differently, which is also hard because you can only see my head. Yeah. But <laughs> I I haven't really encountered that a whole lot as of yet. And it sounds like, and specifically with NPCs, you said you like like little personality blurbs, um, uh, just a little bit of a stat block, like minimum. Yeah, it's just the basic stats. Um, I will make stuff up. I'll just maybe just roll a d20 and see how it how it works. If it comes to rolls, I'm not too concerned about the numbers. Um, if it seems like they should be strong, they're going to be strong. Um, you know, it, it mostly depends on how my players roll. Uh, also, because I roll consistently poorly, and it sometimes doesn't make for great storytelling. So sometimes I just pick a number. Yeah, and, that's a great. That's a great point. I totally want to touch on a little bit later too. Is that like sometimes we follow the dice too far? Like the game mechanics can lead to a worse game. But if you just keep following the game as directed, sometimes you can make the mistake of doing that, you know? Yeah. Um, hey, Cheyenne, what about you? Like, do you, um, how do you prep your NPCs? Like the ones that are questionable, like? Yeah, I actually, I have a, a sheet that I wrote out of like 20, like NPC, like stats and I'll roll for which one that I want to use. Oh, cool. yeah. yeah, Yeah, I have a whole little sheet just in case. and for certain ones, like I'll write like the names beside them because yeah, eventually it's like, oh yeah, so I rolled this person. So this will be them if they ever show up or, and you know, sometimes all oh, they share the same stats, but meh, that's all right. It's like, leave it up like to random. And as for like uh, enemies, I'm like trying to like figure out like where they are. If they're in a city, like what would they run into? If they're out, if they're out in the fields, what kind of like wild animal or strange, like other creature would be like living in tall grass or just on the outside of like the woods or whatnot, if they're on a farm or stuff like that and also because i base it off of certain fairy tales as well like i'll pick like i did um what is it the girl with no hands i, I called that one uh, was it the farmer's uh son so like it's gonna be like based right in this like this 
they're going to be going through this little story on the farm. So what's going to be there? They're going to have to specifically fight like this thing. But what else is there for them to accidentally like mess with? Could they get into a fight with like a farm hand or something? Or is anyone else going to end up there? Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of thinking about as, as you were talking about that with the monsters. You know, one of the hardest things too, because uh, both of you are you five e mostly or Australian? Yes. How about you? Um, five e. Yeah. So I mean, the one of the thing that's kind of weird with having a, a game with a class structure and like a level structure is that is that um, you know if, if this character is fifth level, this NPC, right? You, you're thinking like, oh, cool, they have these these abilities. But if they're second, they only have these abilities. So that does kind of throw a little bit of a wrench into at least having an idea of like, you have to add like, what level is this person and what class are they? Unless that doesn't matter. Unless you're like, this is an NPC for, for information, not for like professional background. Mm -hmm. Have you found, either of you found that an issue of like, where you're like, oh shit, well, what level is this person? I have to take a second and look this up. I I don't know that I've I've encountered that on the fly. I have encountered that when um, trying to to build like random encounters or or specific um, instances where it's like oh right there's there's levels and that affects stats and ugh ugh. Um, but a lot of like the monsters have that built in like if there's if they can cast spells or anything like that is usually when that becomes an issue i haven't done that for general npcs as of yet um i i did start out doing that like basically building like a full character sheet for npcs and i was like this is way too much work i don't want to do yeah, this right <laughs> yeah so i basically just do the base stat block at this point and it's working so far but again we haven't encountered a lot of combat so that might not uh, work so well in the future but i figure you know what's going to be a challenge like is the should this be a challenge for them like what is the situation if they're going up against farmers they're professional adventurers they should handle farmers no problem. Uh, if they're going up against like city guard, yeah, they might give them some trouble, but typically the people that are going to give them the most trouble are like elite, um, you know, other adventurers, uh, assassins, people with like specific training uh, once, you know, they reach the higher levels, especially so the chances of them well my group anyways my group is full of like very nice people so they're not going around stabbing random people um starting bar fights so i haven't had to deal with that quite yet but i would probably just do the stats in my head like if i have the base stat block and they want to attack this random person what is this person's skills and if they're skilled enough to put up a challenge it's going to be higher numbers so i have a question for you guys what about uh prepping for a social either encounter or you know you're going to have a, a role play heavy night and you, one of your players has anxiety or something that uh, you know that they're not going it's not going to be in their wheelhouse how do you prep for that Well, yeah, I mean, in that case, usually I, I, this, so I'm just going to rant on this for a second. Um, maybe give the other two a, a second to think. Um, you, you probably need to support that player in a way um, by setting them up that they're with other players who can help kind of supplement that character. Um, if you're a GM and you plan for, like, you know, this is the session where we're having the masquerade ball and so-and-so is, you know, incognito is the, the un- Maybe not the best person for the job, but they're the right person for the demographic to be, you know, like dressed up and put in disguise. And they're like, I don't know what I'm doing, guys. Like maybe then you surround that that character even with other players who can help boost that player um, to help them kind of share that spotlight because the game forces you to share spotlight when it's someone else's turn to do something, even if it's all about one person. Um, 
So, I mean, that's one of the core things. Obviously, like, to get that player more engaged, you can try things, but they're not, you know, they're, you keep reaching in that GM tool bag and pulling something out, hoping it works, right? Like, is this the right wrench for the job? Like, you know, uh, ask if they're a person that likes playing a certain type of character, you can put them in situations where they get to keep playing that type of a personality, you know, that where they're comfortable. Um, yeah, the two of you, so like Callie or Cheyenne, anything jump to you of how do you help that anxious person who might be the social spotlight character, the the role-playing heavy session character, and maybe that's not the right player or the player who jumps at those occasions? I think it's a good idea to, yeah, to have like that character maybe with another one. So like try to have like two characters like at least together in the uh, social situations like that. And also it might like help to like address them like specifically <clears throat> like uh, like hmm. but, like in character like to like address them specifically like uh, about what's going on because or in like not like in general it might help them with their anxiety to think through their character more instead of like it's me answering it's my character answering so try to answer yeah. maybe more in character could uh, definitely help yeah I, I think and, and maybe I was also thinking this too you know sometimes we kind of poo-poo on uh, players when they're like not in character they're saying well I think my character would do this or my character would do that or my character says this but that might be a time when it's very um that it's it's almost perfect for the player's experience to let them kind of have a little more space between them and their character so that the player is more comfortable and we as the table can all kind of continue supplement with our imaginations right like mm -hmm. okay the player is not the right the person really wants to say word for word that uh, what the elegant speeches or something, right? But they can talk about how they're doing it, roll for it, and then the other players can kind of be like, oh, and maybe he said this, and then I say this, and roll with it, right? Yeah, that's a great yeah. point. Not every player is going to be comfortable with those yeah. moments, period, and and that's okay. Um, I think that comes down to like the group discussion, not necessarily just prep. Um, because I think every group should discuss ahead of it, time, after games, whenever. Discussions should be had regularly about what you want, what you're comfortable with, um, what do you want to change, you know. Um, yeah, my, my group um, ha has a player who had never played a tabletop RPG before. And um, that's, that's how she role plays. She um, she does speak as her character on occasion, but does a lot of de descriptive speaking, uh, describes how her character does things. And that's how she role plays. And it's, you know, just as evocative as, as my players who do uh, voices and actions. And, it, you know, it works for them. And I agree, uh, creating, creating space, creating scenarios for each character for each player um, allows them the chance to to figure that out to to try different things and to feel to figure out what feels comfortable and as the dm i guess on the prep side of things you just kind of have to figure out where where that comfort is what what they're going to shine in i think sometimes exactly. you can you can reach out to the players privately right mm -hmm. a lot of games have that one at least one or two people who's almost like the co-captain, right? Like they're the party leader yes. uh, player, even if they're not in character, the party leader. Um, some of the players there are always trying to put the spotlight, you know, try to like set people up for like, you know, great moments. So you can find if you have those players, uh, you know, you can off to the side be like, hey, this session, uh, I'm going to put a spotlight on so-and-so and they're going to be in this situation. Um, do you think that it, if I put you there with them, that maybe you could, uh, you know, just try to give them good opportunities, you know? And I think that, that that's totally acceptable because as a group, right, we, we all know our players too. So I'm sure they're gonna be, oh, wow, yeah, that person's, oh yeah, 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 I'll help them out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Another thing to help with, I think, social interactions is how the player plays the character. I, I have one character 
uh, she's a full Carol, but she's extremely like nervous. She doesn't like being in the spotlight. And I had a, a moment where they're like a uh, returning and they, and they happen to be carrying a dead body of someone that these NPCs know. And they turn to like, you know, like to the full care. It's like, what, like what happened? She's like, um, just kind of like stammers. And I have another character. She's huge and boisterous. She just bursts in like in the most dramatic, like sobbing way to like immediately like take attention off her. Cause she's a terrible liar and all this. Right. And it's like, so like, it helps like, how they play their characters as well, setting up interactions like between them. Like it definitely works when those two are together for the boisterous one to, you know, like step up and come up with like something to say versus like the shy one. Yeah. Yeah. Working off the player dynamics for sure, I think, that and the character dynamics definitely helps in situations like that. And that builds bonds between the players and the party too. Yeah. Yeah, I, sometimes I don't think we do that enough is make a point to remind the players like as a group, like in-game as players, I mean as characters and then out, out it, obviously we're a group too, like we're a team as players. Um, you know, we, we, so we talked a little bit about like prepping too much. We talked a little bit about prepping not enough. So we should probably talk about, you know, what do we, where's the sweet spot? How do we find where a spot is right for each of us? Um, but I think the intro to that would be um, how do you prep? Like, what are the key points you start with? Like, clearly every session has a problem. Maybe it's ongoing from the last one or it's new, right? But it's, it has some kind of adversity. Um, you probably have an idea of what kind of a problem it is. Like, if is it social in nature because we're at a ball or, a, you know, a privileged party of politicians or if it's in a cave or, you know, um, a monster layer. We have a better idea of what people brought with them to deal with it, so we probably know how that goes. But um, you know who your party is, other than you don't always know who's going to show up. Um, so maybe like we take a minute to talk about what points are the most crucial to prep. So Shine, you want to take that first? Since my world is based off of individual fairy tales that they go through, they're fairy tale characters themselves. It's like I, I pick the story like that I'm telling, like what is it? The fairy, they like like, and I want to like lead them through like what that fairy tale is, but let them do it like as themselves. An old lady's asking like for um some water, but the bucket's fallen into the well. Like how are they gonna like go through that? I'm gonna turn into a giant snake, swim down there, and bring the bucket back. Or it's like oh never mind, I just have like a oh I just have a water satchel. You can have that instead. Or just like trying to like prep for the ways that like they might like interact with these certain fairy tales. Are they going to want to like go through that or not? Like, mm -hmm. how are they going to try and like change it? Like, will they accidentally like kill the bad guy before it happens or not? But it's like, very for cool. You have like such a uniquely awesome situation where you have like a different way to prep because it's really guided by a, a, an abstract tool. Like, you, I have this fairy tale. This is the guideline of this fairy tale. So how does it implement into my game? And then maybe how are my players going to deal with it? That's kind of, that's cool. Exactly. Like if they're rude to the fairy, they'll get cursed and be attacked by animals. If they're nice, she'll give them a boon or something, right? Yeah. Like just basing it on like the different folklore and fairy tales and like combining them together sometimes. Kind of like grabbing off your favorite like sitcom, right? Like your favorite uh, ongoing TV show, like Supernatural or Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know, you're like, exactly. oh, I love this, this episode. You know, uh, great, implemented in my next session. Uh, but you know, fantasy skins. <laughs> yes. Uh, Kelly, what about you? Um, <laughs> I actually had this discussion last night after our game uh, with <laughs> one of my players. Uh, they were asking me how. Um, I expected them to react. And I was like, I have no expectations anymore. I don't, I can't because <laughs> I'm never close at all. Um, and so I think what I've done or how I've changed, because when I first started prepping um, as a DM, I would try to prep for different outcomes. And it just, like, I would maybe get it once a month <laughs> like like maybe uh and we played weekly and it's like yeah I, I, this is a lot of work that's going to waste and so um what it has become is instead of prepping outcomes i 
I learn people's intentions. I learn what people are wanting in terms of my NPCs and my my all the things that are happening behind the scenes that the the characters aren't seeing, um, the people that that they're involved with currently, the NPCs that they force me to make up on the fly, um, because it's a lot easier to react to the things that my players come up with that I would have never expected because I, I'm not good at, like if, if I am expecting one thing and you go a mile the other way, <laughs> I'm sitting there going, ugh. Whereas if I know what they want, if I know what this person or monster or whatever, what their goal is, then whatever my players do, it's easier to react. It's easier to um, adjust uh, whatever I may have had planned. So it's more of a general idea to the goalpost than an actual path. Um, because I've, I've just found that that's what works for me because I'm not good at improvising. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that I think that's wonderful advice, right? Because that that lets you know too, like, well, if the players don't deal with, you know, villain A, villain A is still doing this thing in the background. What nobody cared about villain A for three days? Shit, villain A has got like the whole town in his pocket now, you know. And then now yeah. when they go to, so it's it's nice because in some games, like they like the Apocalypse World games have clocks, and mm. it's nice because when you have intentions, that's the basic idea is that you just have you're thinking about what everyone wants and kind of what they'll do to get it. Mm -hmm. So when those questions come up of like, well, whatever did happen to so-and-so that we were supposed to deal with, you know, before we left on this adventure, oh, don't worry, you'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> right? It exactly. didn't pause because yeah. you left. Yeah. yeah. So Jenna Sasquatch says, um, Creative inspiration isn't prep per se, but watching particular shows or uh, playing certain music or reading uh, almost does more than writing notes. Uh, so getting in that headspace, uh, what do you guys like to do? Like day of game, you know you're going to be gaming in a little bit. How do you get in your headspace? Definitely music like helps like certain like specific songs for the situations or the characters like get yourself pumped up we all get we all uh, get together and we hang out like before right so like we're, we're getting like together getting like pumped for the game and like talking about last uh, game and whatnot and yeah getting together definitely helps <laughs> um i i don't have have that unfortunately uh we play <laughs> online um but I don't really have a ritual. I will drink caffeine if I remember to make tea. Um, I will read over my notes about an hour beforehand, try to remember what we did last time, what the players are supposed to be doing or wanting to do, start panicking because I feel like I'm not prepared. And once the heart rate starts going, it's like, yeah, let's go, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't good advice, but it works for me. Um, so speaking of the creativity, you know, um, I'm trying to see. It was was it Gina Sasquatch, or Genesis Sasquatch? <laughs> oh, it's Gene Sasquatch. There you go. <laughs> so, um, uh, you made a good point. I, I believe what she said, or at least I interpreted it as. Uh, like, I do love. I feel better when I walk into a session and I have a lot of um, TV shows or podcasts or like books, like audiobooks, even in my head. I, I feel like it's easier for me when I'm like flooded with fiction. That's, and it doesn't even have to be of the same, you know, genre or specific situation. Um, I'm definitely much better in that uh, perspective than I would be if it was like all I did for a week was like, you know, stuff that had no fiction to it. Like I was working and I was reading technical manuals and I was cooking and cleaning. And, but like when I have stories in my head of like betrayal and backstabbing and laughter and heartfelt uh, tenderness and adventure and, you know, friendship and all these things like it's a, just I feel like I just have a lot more connections in my brain that are just hanging out so when stuff starts going I can just flow easier um but you know and of course like Callie said you always like if you have notes like look at them again like right pretty I usually like to look at my stuff a day before and then like just before 
like because sometimes I look at it and I go, oh yeah, because I looked, at, I did this two weeks ago, and then like the day, and then right before I go to do it, I'm like, oh, because now I'm gonna pick up some of the finer points, where the day before was just kind of refresher for me. Um, mm -hmm. Some games, um, you know, I find myself more nervous a lot of times if the game doesn't have some kind of like character creation or something we do right off the bat. Um, like it's an ongoing campaign, even my friends sometimes, like I, I do kind of have to get comfortable with the group again. Cause like, otherwise sometimes we're like diving right back into like serious mode with NPCs and like voices and stuff. Like it can just be a little like, I don't know, I got nerves, right? So if I can get comfortable with everyone and set the mood and then they're like, all right, ready, let's do this. But um, it's funny, I run a lot of convention games and I don't have that problem there. Cause it's like, I guess it's not an option and it's the first session. So I think session we all kind of get acclimated together, but sometimes it's the jumping back in as the GM, like shit. How, exactly, somebody said earlier, like the voice. Like, how did I say that voice? Because now it sounds Irish, but it was Russian, and you know, they had a knife, right? Was it a butcher knife? Because in my head, oh, it was a club. You know, like you just kind of have to get right back to where you were. Yeah, I've given up on consistency. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> Um, let's see. So there, there were some more topics. Let's just touch a couple of these real quick. Um, so, you know, the one thing I, I kind of wanted to mention, because I guess I said earlier, was like, have you two ever found yourself, I, I find myself more and more doing this, where I follow the dice to my peril. Like, I'll be playing a game, I'll be running a game, and I run a lot of different games. So I read them, and as a game designer, I want to see them run how they were designed. Because I'm trying to learn also from the design of like, okay, was this a good choice? Was this a bad choice? Did I like this? Do I want to steal this or change this, tweak this? Um, and sometimes that leads me to run a game to its own demise. Like as a GM, I know like, okay, pacing, scheduling, player interest, feeding off of players. I can see that this is annoying because the partial success is getting really tedious because the adventure is in Africa but we're in Massachusetts and every time we try to find out the address and how to get there and book plane tickets, it's like partial success, success with the catch. Oh, you did it, but here's the problem. And what did that create? That created the first hour and a half where we're still in fucking Massachusetts because of plane problems, can't get everyone together, someone's rents due, can't find the money, don't know where the address is. The game was this cool, you know, like discovery mission in Africa, but we can't get there. Is the fucking game, <laughs> you know? So, um, do you two ever find yourself where, like, when do you fudge? When do you say, "All right, no more rolls," because they have to if, pick this piece of paper? If it would be really cool, I try to go by rule of cool. Like, I had a moment cool. where, yeah, where two uh, characters like they rolled for initiative, they got like exactly the same. So I'm like, then okay, you both are immediately like locked in, like. Like without having to roll again, you two are like locked against each other or whatnot. Or like if the, I had a moment where I was uh, failing to attack a player and they were failing to attack me. So instead they're just spitting insults at each other instead. If it would be cool, then like, it's okay to fudge. There's like a, a moment, the druids can't fly at a low level, but for some strange reason, my one druid just in this moment, uh, they can fly like in this like strange moment and like later it's like it's weird magic is strange here or something yeah you, you gotta like look at the situation and like sometimes yeah maybe you maybe you fudge a number like to let something happen but definitely try to i try to go by rule of cool i don't know alternatively i just wanted to throw that in there like a couple of my regrets uh biggest regrets are when i didn't like i didn't do the rule of cool like, I, I still kick myself every day when I think about, like, one time I let this person be in this tournament, and uh, he almost won. Why didn't I just let him win? He almost won. He was not supposed to make it beat the third, you know, from the top fight. He beat that guy. He wasn't supposed to beat the second to the top guy. And then the, I'm the top guy, I made him so incredibly difficult, there was no way he could beat him. He got a couple good hits, and I'm like, so now what did that do? We ended the, the session where it was really cool and it was amazing and it had this great wave up. And then, but the end of the story and the end of the night was like, yeah, but you just didn't pull it off. For You know, like there wasn't some cool added story there, right? It was just like, well, that was a great, cool session of how you were in this tournament and you fought the best guy and you lost. Okay, next session, we continue with the campaign. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like, I, I will never forget that. And um, 
you know, so sometimes we do that, you know, like we just do that too. Sorry, Kelly, what were you thinking? No, I, um, alternatively to, to the rule of cool is, uh, in my opinion, not rolling for things that just can't be cool or like the consequences of failure are just like irritation or delaying or like, you know, we're going to buy a plane ticket, like in your example. Okay, yeah. roll. Like, you're competent adults. Is there anything preventing you from doing this adequately? Okay, you, you don't have to roll. You buy the tickets. That's yeah. success. Hooray. <laughs> um, you know, it, it just does more to, if it does more to hinder the game than to progress it, you just, you do it. Um, it's a success. You don't have to roll because, like you said, you end up, in you know you want to be on this grand adventure and you're stuck searching for your keys where did i leave my keys um so yeah <laughs> if too it's close to real life right <laughs> yeah it's too close to real life we're not playing this game to be real life we're escaping real life this is escapism <laughs> i want to be cool <gasps> And you know that very well, because like you said, you run two-hour sessions, and like you gotta, you you can't fiddle with BS, like, and it can't be stalling. Anything stalling should be like fast-forwarded, right? Like, yeah. And there's been a few cases where my players are like, "I want to do this. What do I roll?" I'm like, "You you just do it. You don't have to roll anything. Your character is trained in this. They can do it. They just do it. <laughs> like it's not absurd. They're not like jumping over the moon. They're." crossing a bridge they can do this <laughs> it's fine so we're down to the last couple minutes any final thoughts anything that i, I we didn't get out there whether it's questions or callie or cheyenne gm prep your notes I think much too actually, sorry i think an actual good thing for like notes is like when the inspiration hits and you start writing it down rewrite it afterwards like with more specifics if you need to because definitely helping rewrite the notes will definitely like help you understand like like your thoughts if it's just like flowing out like really quick or whatnot rewriting it again will definitely help I, I find that it helps me anyways yeah bullet point notes in the moment are great but like a month later it's like well what does this mean uh, <laughs> i don't i don't know what this is supposed to be yeah and i would just want to reiterate you know one of the points earlier was like you're a player too you know like you're gonna prep, but you're human. Sometimes it's not gonna work. It's totally cool to reach out to your player. It's okay to admit that sometimes. You'd be like, hey, I really thought we were going in that cave and we went back to town. So cool, let's see what happens. And it's okay to ask your players ahead of time. Like, what do you guys want to do? What are you planning to do? Because it's more fun if, if you guys all discuss it and you actually have a full session of prepped material versus they throw you a curveball and there's nothing and you have to cut it short or you know you play a half-assed uh, something that you can pull from your head or that you have on hand it's more fun for everybody if there's content so you know it's okay to talk about it it doesn't have to be a surprise <laughs> The players should know the goal, even if the characters don't. Exactly. Yeah. All right. We're just about out of time. Uh, let's uh, let everybody know where to find you and who you are. Um, so I already said I'm Pete Petrusha. Uh, you can find me at Ben Branner. It says it real nicely up on that screen. Um, one of the cool things I just wanted to mention, other than uh, I make games and stuff, is um, Gen Con's coming up. And uh, Gen Con GMs, if you want a free batch for Gen Con, which is like $120 value, uh, we only ask for like eight hours of a commitment. Um, so you can find that, you'll find more information throughout the month at the Indie Game Developer Network on Facebook or on Twitter, or you can find me and ask me. Um, but I'll be posting stuff throughout the month of just trying to be like, here's all the games. If you run this game and this game, you get a free copy of each and we give you a free badge. So all kinds of ways to save yourself some money, maybe even help you find hotel rooms and stuff if you need it. So, uh, I'm Callie. Uh, online, you can find me Aethnefire. Um, on Twitter, I'm at AppleXSauce. I, am, I DM our group <laughs> uh, Riff and Rabble. We're at twitch.tv slash Riff and Rabble. We try to stream every week on Saturday. 
life happens. Um, we're on Twitter as well at Riff and Rabble. I'm Cheyenne. Um, you can find me on Twitter at cars underscore Jans. And you can find our podcast, Chicks with Crits. I want to say the last part again, uh, Crits. <laughs> yeah, on um, Twitter and um, anywhere you can find podcasts on YouTube as well now. <laughs> it's really nice talking to you. I, this is the first time I met uh, Cheyenne Kelly. You two are awesome. Oh. Yeah, nice great. to talk Thank to you, you as well. <laughs> and it's good to see you again, Callie. <laughs> All right. Yes, well, thank you, Pete, Callie, and Cheyenne for hosting this week. Um, and uh, thank you to uh, Dusty Van City and uh, Genesis Squatch, of course, uh, came up with two gems of uh, questions for us. So that was great. Um, also, the chat was super active tonight. So uh, Gage got his supernatural in, and uh, Young One was telling us about his, uh, his uh, home group. So that's, uh, that's always good stuff. Um, and we next week it's going to be Scrim, Chad, and Pedro, uh, and we'll see you next week.